Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And I'm Wesley. And it's the first week of spooky season. Oh, snap. It, it feels weird that it was like summer the other day and we were doing like In the Heights episodes and talking about Luca and then all of a sudden, snap your fingers, October 1st. Look, this is, this is Nova Scotia fall. We all know it. It's... Uh, freezing cold in the mornings, and then by 2 o'clock, you can wear a t-shirt, and then it's back to freezing cold by 3. It's like, throw on a flannel. All right, not good enough. Throw on a sweater. All right, that's too much. Settle down. Put a t-shirt on. Exactly. Yeah. Nova Scotia Falls are real weird. They're very, very messed up. But hey, I will take all I can get, because I love fall. I love this weather. Best season. And it's just like, you can get spooky, you can watch horror movies, you can... String up weird decorations around your house, and everyone's just like, yeah, it's just a universal thing. Yep. But uh, how's your week been, man? What have you been up to? We didn't get to do an episode last week, and that's mm-hmm. something I actually want to address really quickly as well, is that might be a more frequent thing. Might be a little bit less episodes weekly. Yeah, I'm just, it's just because mostly I am so busy Yeah. all the time. It's all good. I'm just totally doing rehearsals it. all the time, and I'm having a lot of fun with it, but uh, yeah, it's just very busy. It makes everything very busy, so... It's hard to kind of make time for, like, just doing a podcast and just randomly talking about movies if you can't really watch the movies to talk about Yeah, I literally uh, saw... It was, like, a miracle I had the free time to see uh, Venom, too, which is what we'll be talking about today. Uh, but, yeah, I've just been doing rehearsals and all that stuff and doing school all at the same time and also working, and so it's a lot, but... Getting by. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, not too lot. No, not too much going on for me either right now. It's, it's mainly just a work thing, just grinding away at work, making money, and just trying to watch some movies, enjoy myself in the meantime when I can. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, we we had the chance to go see Venom two in theaters, uh, which was an experience, and we'll get into that more uh, as this episode goes on. But. Um, it is indeed spooky season, and before we get into that, uh, I do want to talk. I guess this isn't really spooky season related, but um, I did start watching. Uh, we started watching uh, the Star Wars Visions, the animated Star Wars series that is on uh, Disney Plus, and uh, I've only seen. I think it's about six episodes, um, and you've only seen like four of them. Yeah, I've only seen around four. I haven't seen. I think there's nine in total, right? Uh, I think so, something like that. Yeah, I've only seen, I think, four of them. But I personally have been absolutely loving them. Like, they're very short and sweet, which is really nice, uh, but they are all done by a different animation company, and uh, there's some amazing voice actors in there. I just watched an episode today, uh, and it had, um, uh, what's his name, who plays Hopper, and he also plays... Oh, David Harbour. David Harbour. Yeah. He was a voice actor in one of them, so that was super cool. Um, but yeah, I started watching them and I was just blown away. Like, I think, uh, personally, I was partially hesitant going into it, thinking like, how are they going to make Star Wars anime and all this stuff? But I've now realized it's a perfect medium. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it fits together so well. Um, a lot of the episodes I've noticed have this almost like old school samurai movie-esque feeling to them. Yeah. Um... And I, I think that is a perfect way to fit the Star Wars universe in with that animation style and also just, like, the visuals that can be created with insane 
giant lightsaber blasts or uh, crazy cool um, huge battles and fights. Like I think it's a perfect medium for it. Um, so I've been really, really loving the few episodes that I've watched. I, from what I've seen too, I think Star Wars Vision is really cool because it's like it's kind of exactly what is essential for Star or not essential, but what Star Wars needs right now is like not to be held down to anything big to just focus on individual little projects and to make mm-hmm. a season of just standalone shorts done by some of the most popular Japanese animation studios. I think that's like really smart because it allows like you to see Star Wars in a different light without kind of pinning you down to an entire trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. But f- yeah, from what I've seen, they're beautifully animated. And I think that making a Star Wars anime show is a good idea because like Star Wars is already kind of indebted to like the movies of like Akira Kurosawa and those samurai movies from the sixties and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. George Lucas has talked on how that's like a big influence when he was making Star Wars. So I think if since Star Wars was so inspired by, you know, Japanese entertainment in the first place, I think kind of running it back and kind of handing Japanese um artists the chance to do their own thing with it, I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, definitely. And like there are so many interesting little stories that are being created through it and so many interesting little like uh characters that i'm like i want to see more of this character or this storyline even though they saw 15 minutes of it and so um i think it's really cool and it's just they're like i said they're super short and so it's just so easy to watch one i love the length of them mm-hmm. i think one of the coolest things to me though about this show is the fact that star wars and this isn't this isn't everybody knows this at this point, but they're so obsessed with the Skywalkers and everything that's so familiar, and they just linger on it mm-hmm. over and over and over. And that's fine because I love the Skywalkers, but I love that this isn't all relying on some you know it's not all the characters that everybody knows from Star Wars. I, I think Boba Fett pops up here and Jabba pops up really quickly, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, it's all these new original characters that we kind of just get to spend this these little shorts with. And I think that that was really smart, rather than being like, look. It's an anime version of Luke Skywalker, and we're we're watching one of his adventures that we never saw. I would hate that. You exactly. Know? No, it, it is really cool um, how Star Wars has started to realize, oh, we can expand this universe. We don't have to just have the same storyline for 12 movies or whatever it is. It's like considering that this world is the entire galaxy, it's kind of weird that we've only spent such a small amount of time outside of this one family. Yeah. It's all the Skywalkers, and that's fine, man. Like I said, I love them, but I'm really interested in seeing Star Wars expanded at this point. And uh, I've seen that this wasn't canon, so like none of the stuff here counts towards Star Wars lore, which makes sense because they take some creative liberties and do their own anime spin on a lot of uh, the stuff with being Jedi. And like there's an episode where you have a droid being trying to be a Jedi here. Yeah. That's not possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I disagree. With the powers of the Force, I don't think it would work like that. But that being said, that's why I like Visions is because it's not all technical with that. It's kind of just like, yeah, he's he, he wants to be a Jedi, so let's let him. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, let's do it. No, yeah, it, it is very cool. And I think one of the biggest things that is really like what really draws me in about it is just like, how they can tell such interesting stories which are, with such interesting characters in such a little amount of time and on top of that make it look just beautiful. Yeah. Like there are some scenes where I saw it and I was like, oh my God, why have we never explored this in the Star Wars universe? Like this is this looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I, I really like it, and I'm excited to finish watching it probably tonight. <laughs> the dub casting is, is sick. It's like you yeah. got Simi Liu, uh, you got Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you got Allison Brie, you got mm-hmm. David Harbour. There's a lot more, too. It's like it's stacked for for all the dubs. So, yeah, you could literally pound out this entire show in one evening because every episode's like 15 minutes or shorter. Yeah. So I would I would definitely recommend it. You don't even have to be big on anime to be into it. If you're into Star Wars, you'll find stuff to enjoy here. Mm-hmm. That being said, being big into anime, uh, I also uh, really debated. I was like, ah, oh, man, I really want to watch some anime today. Do I watch Star Wars Visions or do I start watching Attack on Titan? <laughs> Damn, it's like, which one? Which hill to tackle? One, super easy and a lot of fun. The other, an insane uphill battle that has like people divided. <laughs> yeah, Attack on Titan's pretty grim. Yeah. I- I've been told I need to get around to it. Our friend Braden, who we've had on the pod before, he is obsessed with it. And Braden, I know you're probably not listening. I'm sorry. I know we've done you dirty. I will get around to it someday. It's sure. Just, it's a big thing to tackle. It is. And it's like, how am I supposed to do that when we have cool things like Squid Game releasing on Netflix? And then I just get drawn into this whole new world. Exactly. No, but yeah, Star Wars Visions is, is really cool. And it's worth checking out. Yes, very much. I uh, would recommend it. Even if you're not into anime. Yeah. You want to get into Venom. Venom, Venom, Venom. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so, yeah, we went and saw Venom 2. Um, super short and easy uh, superhero movie. Only an hour and 20 minutes. Um, but this is riding right off the coattails of Venom, the first Venom movie. It feels like no time has passed when we open up in Venom 2. Uh, because Eddie is still struggling with trying to figure out how to control Venom and how they can live their lives, both live their lives. So with Venom, just as like some beginning spoiler-free stuff, uh, I liked it a bit more than Hayden did. Uh, I found it charming and interesting, and even though it is a fairly short movie, uh, with it being an hour and 20 minutes long, it's still enjoyable and fun in my opinion. Um, the, The script, not too hot, but... Uh, I do. I did enjoy um, some of the characters in it, and just how Eddie is d- kind of dealing with the world and what his place in the world is now. Um, and just like one of my one of my favorite things about it, uh, personally, is this relationship between uh, uh, Eddie and Venom. I almost just said Vetty and Enum, uh, and how it how it's growing within uh, this story because it is it is a very interesting idea to think about like what would you do if there were two lives living within one person and mm-hmm. so um, I like how this movie kind of tackles it in not a super serious way but also not a too jokey way where it can't be taken seriously mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely very comedic but I think one of the things that works with this with this version of Venom that they've built up which you know isn't really the Venom that, you know, Spider-Man fans and, and people are familiar with, and that's a whole different conversation that we'll have. But I think the way in which they've built up this version of Venom, I think one of the most interesting things is the back and forth between Eddie and him. Yeah. Because it's hilarious. And it, it, I don't know. It's Tom Hardy's chemistry with Tom Hardy is yeah. oddly good. Honestly, that's one thing I was also going to mention is that I am sure it's so hard to act by yourself, mm-hmm. um, but Tom Hardy does it in such a fun and just enjoyable way that I could watch Tom Hardy talk to himself for, like, hours. Yeah, because it doesn't just feel like Tom Hardy playing Tom Hardy and then another character. Like, they are very different, obviously, and I think 
that he plays both those characters equally well. Like Eddie is this kind of unhinged screwball comedy character throughout most of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then also you have Venom who's just like very slapsticky and silly in his own way. And I think that that, that chemistry between those two characters, it works very well. Yeah, no, it is a very good chemistry. And I think it, it kind of holds this movie together in a lot of ways. Held the first one together too. And this one. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do like where they take it in this one and how um, we look a little bit deeper into that relationship um, but also, may I say, the visual sub- effects, like, really good, once again. Much better than the first movie. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that up too. they definitely uh, stepped it up in this one a bit. I think that's where, I think a, quite a bit of the budget went into the visual effects and less into the script. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, there are so many, like, crazy, insane fight sequences that just look so well done. Like, visually, like, I think they really nailed the look of Venom in the first movie. And so, just with the second one, they just, like, tweaked it just a little bit and stepped it up a tiny notch. And it just looks really well done. And especially with Carnage, too. Like, Carnage looks really well done as well, uh, visually. And so, I think they... Maybe more of the budget went towards that, but I think they did a really good job in this one. Just, like polishing it up and being like okay this is this is probably the best version of venom we're gonna get yeah i i think in the first movie it's so much obscured visual stuff like you can't really see a lot of what's going on between the fights and stuff because it's all either in the dark or it's it's hidden and the camera's moving so quickly you can't really Mm -hmm. tell what's going on and i think that that's like the biggest detriment of the first film is that you can't see any of the action for the most part Mm -hmm. this one it's it's far better lit and it's far like Eddie Circus or Andy Circus, not Eddie Circus. Eddie Circus. Think of Eddie Brock. Andy Circus did a really good job here, um, just with exactly that, with the staging of it and like making everything actually visible. Yeah, you could tell when you're looking at Carnage punch Eddie. Whereas when the first one, when you're watching Riz Ahmed and uh, Tom Hardy go back and forth, you can't tell anything. It's just yeah. like oh, black tar smashing around. You mm-hmm. know. Now this one is very much more. Uh, well lit and you can definitely like see the punches and see the actual fighting it's very much like center frame kind of stuff and so uh it's ju- it's just really well done graphically i think and especially with um the pg-13 rating of the movie i think they did a really good job with having just enough there there was talks beforehand how they were really pushing the PG-13 envelope, and I totally agree. Like, that was fully pushing yeah. um, as far as they could go, and even then, it's still pretty a pretty gruesome movie. Um, obviously, there's no, like, blood or anything, and no one gets their brains blown out or anything like that, yeah. but... Um, there are definitely some crazy fight sequences where, like, hundreds of people die. Yeah. Uh, and so they definitely pushed the envelope with that, and I think they w- they did a pretty good job with the restraints that they were given with the PG-13. I think they they definitely pushed it further than the first one did. I don't think the first one pushed it at all. No. Yeah, aside from the fact that you have Venom biting people's heads, I don't really think there's anything graphic or anything gruesome at all in the first one, aside from... Actually, there is a few shots of, like, aliens crawling around in people's mouths, but that's just kind of more freaky visual stuff. Yeah, exactly. But I think with this one, yeah, like, Carnage is straight up, like, killing lots of people. Like, people are very visibly dying in this. Mm-hmm. And I think that in this one, it's, it's yeah, they definitely pushed it. Yeah. PG-13 in the past has gone some pretty 
dark places, and I don't think that this one goes any further than no. where PG-13 has already gone. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, like, yeah, people are dying, and so the stakes do feel higher than a, a regular PG-13 movie where it's just like, oh, people are just kind of dropping and there's no gore or anything. Yeah. Um, with that being said, we're going to get into a bit more, unless you have anything else spoiler-free that you want to mention. Yeah, I, well, I do want to really quickly just riff on... Um, Woody Harrelson as Carnage, and I kind of want to like spoiler-free talk about if that works and if that casting choice paid off. I personally think it does work, but I could also see many other actors doing a potentially better job. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's a he's a great actor, and I think he does a really good job in the role. Um, but I also think that there were probably other actors who could have done it a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, no offense to him, but uh, I also it's also kind of hard for me to see him in this serial killer crazy light because when he for I don't know what it is about him, but when there's moments where he goes a little crazy or a little over the top, I just have a hard time taking him seriously, and I I, I don't know where this stems from at all. Um, but even like. I'm trying to think of like a, some spoiler-free way I can say it. Essentially, uh, how I'll break it down is there are – obviously, he's a serial killer, so he says some pretty fucked up stuff. Um, and he'll get into there, – there's a moment where he gets into a, like a fucked up, weird serial killer, crazy monologue. And even Eddie says like, what is this dude even talking about? Like he's just saying nonsense. And I thought the exact same thing. I was like, I was not even interested in it at all. I was yeah. just like, what is what is going on? I definitely think you... Okay, so Woody Harrelson isn't the problem with my no. take on this carnage. I think he's not exactly like the person I would have casted for this. Yeah. But I think he has. he's having fun, and he's holding up that character in a sense, but even though it's not like... It's not the carnage I know, or I would even care to see. I'm like, all right, he's, he's doing his thing. Mm. I don't dislike Woody Harrelson at all. I think he's a good actor. And so it's nice to see him embrace the insanity here and have a little bit of fun with it. But I don't think this version of Carnage really works at all mm. because I think you really lose something in the menace. Carnage is this twisted, messed up serial killer. And I feel like it's so easy to be like, oh, this villain is a serial killer, so they're instantly bad. But like, that's, not, that's an injustice to Carnage to take away from how twisted and messed up he actually is. Like, we're talking like, this dude enjoys doing it. Like, he's killing people because it is fun for him. And he is, like, very sick. And so when he gets the symbiote in him, it just is a parasite and it's feeding on all those worst qualities of him. Whereas mm-hmm. here, uh, and on top of that, they're kind of like the perfect match. Like, mm-hmm. all of his personality type matches with the Carnage symbiote. And so when they fuse, they bring out the worst in each other in both ways. Whereas with this take on Carnage, mildly spoilery here, they're not really the perfect match. Carnage is just kind of a vessel on them, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that takes away from Carnage as a symbiote, Cletus Cassidy as a threatening villain. Mm. And I just don't know if I think that this take on Carnage works because you kind of have him as a lovesick puppy trying to free a girl. That's like his long-lost lover. Yeah, now that, now that you say that, I kind of agree. Uh, maybe it's not uh woody that's the problem it's more of just like the character yeah um because honestly he he there are moments where i think they're trying to make you see like oh he's a really fucked up dude but in reality it's it's kind of 
it doesn't feel like he's that fucked up. No, exactly. Like, I never actually believed that this dude was, like, a twisted sicko who would do really bad things to people. He just was like, I am villain, and I want to see chaos. It's kind of like Jared Little Joker. Yeah. Where it's like, Joker's really fucked up, but this version of him, he's just like, I am the clown prince. Yeah, it's like, he's really fucked up, but... Is he, though? Is he, though? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly how I felt. I, I just never believably invested in this version of Carnage. And growing up with seeing Carnage in all the Spider-Man shows and stuff, mm-hmm. that dude was always really menacing. And I thought he was freaky, and I, I believed more how messed he up messed up he was in the animated kids show yeah. than I did in this movie. You mm-hmm. know, And so, yeah, I, I, I did want to get into that just because I feel like Woody Harrelson isn't the problem. He's having a fun time with what he was given. Mm. I just think the script is actively downgrading who Carnage is as a villain. Yeah. And I think that that's not a PG-13 thing. I think the script is poorly written, and they just chose to write him this way, and I don't think that that needed to be a thing. Yeah, it, it, I think it could also be a PG-13 thing because, I mean, I don't know how quickly they decided it was going to be PG-13, but... That may have also influenced, like, okay, how fucked up can we actually make this dude? Like, mm. what can we actually show on screen? They they probably decided right after the first movie, because that was PG-13, too, mm. and it was a hit. So they were probably like, okay, we'll do it again. Yeah. I, I think it would have benefited the movie to finally be like, all right, Venom's one of those characters. Let's give him the R rating. Especially with Carnage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, probably would have been cool. Um, Before we move on, I also really quickly just wanted to talk about, you, you said something along the lines of, like, when you first when we first started talking about it, how you're seeing what their lives are like as they try and live together, mm-hmm. and I wanted to say that this movie is pretty much a rom com between Eddie and Venom, where it's like yeah, it kind of is. It's after the honey. It's after the honeymoon phase has ended. After you first move in with someone and everything's so great, and then you start to notice their little flaws. That's pretty much what's happening for the first thirty forty minutes of the movie here. Yeah, it is just Eddie and Venom back and forth at it as they try and struggle to figure out how to live together. And it's it's hilarious. Yeah, it's great. It, it is really good. So. Yeah. At that point, or at this point, we can get into spoilers, though. Yeah. Um, so kind of getting into the movie uh, a little deeper. So, yeah, we're, we're experiencing, we're starting to see how Eddie and Venom are living together um, and how it's not really working out at all. Um, it's funny because, like, Eddie is lovesick, essentially. He's, his heart has been broken, and he doesn't get the girl of his dreams. And uh, Venom tries to, like, comfort him and be, like, his best friend and be like, I, I got you, buddy, and, like, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I do enjoy that beginning part of them just kind of being, like, buddy buddies. Uh, Venom trying to comfort Eddie while Eddie's like, I have a fucking symbiote living inside of me and he wants to just eat everyone. Yeah. Um, and, and we also get uh, like qu- pretty quickly off the movie too. I think one thing I do like about the short runtime of the movie is that it does a really good job at telling the whole story in a very quick, uh, very quick runtime. Like the very beginning of the movie where uh, Eddie becomes this successful reporter due to his whole uh, story from the, essentially uh he uses the story from the first movie and he like uses his reporter brain and reports all about it and all this stuff and everyone's like wow he's amazing yeah and he gets a bunch of money and a new motorcycle and all this stuff um living the good life with an alien attached to the back of him exactly and this this good life that he's living uh uh 
Oh, wait, no. I take that back. I was totally wrong. It's not actually... He doesn't tell the story from the first one. Right. He goes to see Cletus first. Yeah. He goes to see Cletus, and uh, he gets a bit of... He gets... He finds where all of Cletus's dead bodies are, like where he's buried all the dead bodies through like this little note and whatever. Um, and Venom helps him figure that out. Yeah, uh, he, like decrypts it because it yeah. was like this big little mystery that Cletus had kind of set up mm-hmm. for them, and they kind of deep like they go through it and they solve it, sort of thing. Exactly, and so that's how he gets all his money and fame. Um, and Eddie is still pissed with Venom. He's like, "Ah, oh, Venom, you're." ruining my life and all this stuff and venom's like but i just helped you make a bunch of money uh from this reporting thing if it wasn't for me you wouldn't have never figured it out uh and they it's exactly like you said it's after the honeymoon phase they're arguing and bickering all the time um and like i don't think anything super important happens until he goes back to see cletus um just before cletus is about to get put in the electric or what the lethal injection yeah lethal injection yeah um because they found all the bodies and so he can be confirmed for all those killings uh and he's like eddie i want you to come hold the door for me while i go into the death chamber or whatever i'll just say this as well eddie you're stupid why why would you believe this man literally when when uh when that happened and he was and Eddie was like maybe i should do that i ruined this man's life i'm like who in their right mind gets a letter from a crazy serial killer that's like, I want you to hold the door for me while I go to die, yeah. and says, oh, sure, fuck it, why not? Yeah. Who who on earth does that? I mean, maybe if you are you have a symbiote within you, uh, maybe it fucks with your mental a little bit, but Jesus. Yeah, it's just like, was your brain not working at all there? Because yeah. The, obviously, something is going to go down, and like... Whatever that is, is up for interpretation. But if you get this message from this weird serial killer who's developed this weird fascination with you as a reporter, I just don't know if it's necessary that you're there to see him out of this world. Yeah, I would not do that. But Eddie decides to do that. And when he goes there uh, and the cops want him to try and get a little bit more information out of him or whatever, um, Venom freaks out at him and chucks cletus back against the wall and cletus ends up biting eddie's hand that's what gets the venom symbiote into cletus uh he's like your blood does not taste like normal blood freaking out and he's licking it off his fingers it's oh man it's It's weirdo weirdo shit from woody harrelson but he's having a good time he is having a good time and that's what um gets the symbiote inside of him is that uh, how it worked in the comics? I can't remember. I remember a whole lot about Carnage, but I don't I have remember. No if idea. Just, like, bit Venom, and he was like, "All right, my turn now." I don't think so. No, but I don't. Think I also that's have. It I don't really know. I don't remember. Um. Anywho, actually, I think if I'm not mistaken, this might just be one of the iterations. Is that uh, the Venom symbiote is being done at uh, whatever the heck um, Green Goblins mega million dollar corporation or wherever spider-man works uh the venom symbiote's getting tested and all that stuff or something and that's how it gets out and then uh, i don't really remember anywho um so that's how cletus gets his venom his carnage powers essentially um and just as cletus is about to be lethal injected his blood fights back against the lethal injection and he turns into this crazy fucking carnage monster um, and destroys an entire prison. This is 
in, in when I was talking about earlier about how even with the PG thirteen rating there is quite a bit of killing. Um, this is like the moment where I think the most killing happens. Yeah, like this is pretty, I mean, brutal, quote unquote, with complete lack of blood. But yeah, like a lot of people die during this scene, and this is definitely what I could see him talking about when he said stretching PG thirteen. Yeah, it, it's it is in my opinion, it's very cool because when we first see Carnage, it's almost like this jump scare moment where it's just like a black dark hallway and you can't see anything down it and then he just like pops out of it essentially. I did like that. It felt like he was leaning into the horror of it and yeah. giving itself a minute to be a little spooky. Um and so he essentially goes on this rampage through the prison that he he was being held in, murdering people left, right and center. Um and there's a I think it's really cool because um one of the big differences between Venom and Carnage is Carnage seems to be able to almost create webs like Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and we see this throughout the movie being done a couple times. Um, but I think it's really cool because he almost has like the Iron Spider uh, claw things that uh, Tom Holland's suit has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the shot of him like hanging above the roof and kind of like holding himself up with like multiple different little tendrils. Yeah, exactly. Um and so I, I, that's one of the things I really like about the Carnage design is those like back tendril things that he has, and he has those too, um, in like the comics and stuff like that. But this is it's very emphasized, and they they can like form into different like blades or blunt sharp objects, things like that. Um, and so I think that's really cool, in, especially in this fight scene where he's just like throwing guards around and killing them with no blood and he just like throws them against a wall really hard like, and they're like, bites, <gasps> like bites someone's head off and it's just like completely blood free i'm like ah yeah i don't know about that one um but it is it is very cool and i think it's i think one thing though that i have a bit of a slight issue with is um once cletus gets out of the prison He's just walking away like this is a normal thing that he could do all the time. Yeah, he's, he's just not, like, like shocked at all, but the fact that an alien just completely took over his body and gave him the power to destroy an entire prison. And he's just like, "Wow, this is pretty neat." He's like, "Ah, interesting." Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like I want to say this really quick: the characters in this movie talk the way that my action figures did when I was playing toys as like an eight-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like, like I feel like so much of this movie feels so generic. Oh, yeah. Just because, A, it is, and B, it's, I, I think it's just due to the short runtime and the not-so-great script. It's yeah. just, like, very generic, like, superhero, supervillain talk. Yeah. Like, they just say, like, anything that you think they're gonna say, like, the most predictable line, guaranteed that's what's gonna come out of their mouth. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, they t- like, the way Carnage... And Venom talk to each other is the way that I made my toys talk to each other when I was six. It's just like, so you've come for me. I have because I need to stop you. It's like the most like generic dialogue. Um, I will say, though, about Carnage, since we were just talking about his design and his look and everything. I don't think that this take on this character works at all, but I think he looks great. He does look like Carnage. um, And the CGI is, is pretty cool. He looks pretty much exactly how you'd expect Carnage to look and they they did nail that part of that character. Yeah, definitely. I think they did a really cool character design cuz he feels and looks very much like Venom, but just like bigger and like the uh like the muscle tissue tendrils are very more defined and uh he just has a more like 
rough look to him, I guess, is the best way to put it, um, that I think makes him look that much scarier or intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he Cletus breaks out of the jail, um, and he goes to find his love interest of the movie, uh, this girl who can scream really loud. She's just Black Canary. No, not even. I think she's more of like a. She's more of like. Oh yeah, I guess. But more of like Banshee. Yeah, that's uh, true. X Men. Yeah. Um, just because she literally the only thing she can do is scream really loud. And that hurts Venom and Carnage's ears. And exactly. That's a plot point that has played out multiple times. Uh, a very much well known plot point of the fact that the symbiotes don't like loud noises. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Even though Cletus is like, I love her, uh, Carnage is like, ah, what the fuck, bitch? Like, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Naomi Harris is a good actress. I've seen her in some stuff before. Mm-hmm. I like her. She's the worst part of this movie. And, like, by far is holding it back. And, and I, I know she's leaning. I've heard a lot of people praising her performance for how she kind of leans into the campiness and the silliness of it. But she completely breaks up Carnage's motivations of being a twisted serial killer and makes him this weirdo lovesick puppy on a journey. And I did not like that. Mm -hmm. I just feel like she, she reduces the impact of carnage as a character, but she's also just saying all these really like corny lines. Like I can't remember any of them in specific, but it's just stuff like she, she's like picks something up and she's like bazinga. You know what I mean? Like these weird, like punny, line it just didn't work for me if i'm not mistaken one of the jokes is she goes to find eddie uh kicks in his door and says knock knock eddie brock yeah if i'm not mistaken it could be something else but it's just a bunch of lines like that that just were actively making me like yeah she's not a great part of the movie um but she is pretty integral to the main plot so yeah um with quotation marks around it plot (laughs) uh but yeah so they they essentially uh go well carnage and uh whatever cletus they go to find her meanwhile uh things are not looking too great in the eddie and venom relationship and they're beefing beefing hard and venom decides that he's better off on his own he goes to a club and proclaims that he is free from the eddie closet it is so funny because it's like uh i feel like so many people see it and i think this is totally what it's meant to be it's almost like uh if i was in that crowd i might be thinking wow this person in this costume really had a lot of problems and issues (laughs) yeah uh and they're being held back by someone and they're free now uh and i think it's honestly great like i think it's hilarious it's kind of weird um but i I found it really funny and um the whole speech culminates with him walking off the stage and then saying that he wishes that eddie could see that yeah uh which is a very heartfelt moment because he does miss eddie Mm -hmm. i'm sure i've seen people saying that the scene at the club and the big monologue and big rant he goes on people are like Venom is an LGBT icon. Literally, he's he's literally honestly he's, slave Venom. In that moment, he is coming out. Yeah, um, he's free from the Eddie closet. So uh, I I think it's great. Um, but yeah, things are not great. But Eddie is uh, actually pretty okay with not having Venom in his ear all the time until uh, 
the cops roll up and are like, there is some crazy shit happening and you always seem to be a part of it. And in this moment, uh, we are going to hold you here hostage. Um, and he, Eddie is told that there is this big crazy monster going around and killing people. And he thinks, uh Oh, that's venom. Um, so lo and behold, guess who has to come save his ass once again? His ex-wife and and Dan, Dan. Uh, our most, man Dan. He's the most. Dan might be the most generic just dude of all time, but he's nice, and that's his big character thing. So. Exactly. Um, and so she has to go find Venom, and the first place she goes is Mrs. Chen. Uh, the nice um, convenience store worker lady, uh, and Venom has fully possessed Miss Ch- Mrs. Chen. He's just hanging out inside of her body. He's just hanging out. Uh, and weirdly enough, um, Eddie's ex-wife has to seduce him out of her. I know. She's like, you're a big man, Venom. And he's like, okay, he, yes. It's so, it's it weird. is such an odd moment that I did not need in the movie at all. I really did not need her seducing Venom. Both Venom movies have these weird, oddly sexual moments. In Venom 1, it's when Venom takes over her body mm-hmm. and then kisses Eddie Brock and then takes over Eddie Brock's body. That, I think that had a purpose. It does have a purpose, but it's weirdly sexual. That's Venom trying to be like, I'm going to get them back together. Yeah. And that, fix their relationship. It doesn't work, though. And then in this one, you have yet again another weird scene. I really never thought I would see... see uh, I don't even know her name. Um, Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams. Um, like, sexy talking, an old uh, Chinese lady. I know. Did not think I would ever see that happening, but I did. Here's what I'll say. Michelle Williams, you deserve a better agent. Yep. Uh, I don't know how you have... If it's the same agent that got you Manchester by the Sea and then also followed it up with Venom, maybe be like, I appreciate what you did for me, but I'm letting you go. Because, like... True. She's so good in that movie. And then I just see her doing stuff like Venom. And she's like, oh, Venom, you big alien, you sexy son of a bitch. I'm like, ah, man. Give her better roles, please. No, yeah. Um, but anywho, Venom uh, reunites with Eddie, uh, and they go to find Carnage because Carnage has called them out, and they have to be at his wedding. Um, um, yes. <laughs> so uh, Cletus has essentially made a wedding, is making a wedding happen with him and his screamo uh, bride um, at this weird cathedral. This completely empty cathedral. That thankfully has lights on so that we can see this final fighting. Exactly. And we get to the final fight here where um, Venom and Carnage face off. uh, And we get another funny line. Like in the first one, I I realized that there's a similarity in the first one where Venom is like in the first uh, when he's like talking about all the different types of symbiotes and their power levels and how like the silver one is super strong. Yeah. And then in this one, he's like, Oh shit, it's a red one. And he's, he's <laughs> that was even good. scared. That's really funny. Um, but yeah, we get this super epic, um, superhero fight with, uh, Venom and carnage, which Venom gets beat the shit up. Yeah, he does. My guy gets smacked around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he he definitely gets his fair share of blows in, but Carnage stabs him through the heart like seven times. Um, and hey, Dan gets his revenge though. Dan is coming in clutch with just a tank of gasoline and a lighter. 
Um, he does do a little saving here. Uh, but that culminates essentially to this big epic final conclusion where um, there Carnage and Venom are in this final fight and Venom looks like he's going to lose. Uh, but Screamo Bride is there and Venom... Screamo Bride is I've now just, her name. Yeah, I've just named her Screamo Bride now. Um, uh, and so see he sees her there and he's like i know what i'm gonna do and he pushes her off the cathedral and as she's falling to her death in her last moment she lets out one last scream and that knocks out carnage enough so that he falls that cletus pretty much falls to his death um but eddie venom's able to save eddie in this very odd i don't know why this needed to happen so you know how Eddie is falling, and Venom jumps out of Eddie into Dan through ex-wife, and yes. then back into Eddie. Yeah, that did. Why would that need to happen? I know because it's just the sound that affects him. So why is jumping from different person? Why is that fix it? Uh, he's he's playing connect the dots. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's um, weird. it's weird. It is a very cool moment though, because uh, I think it's just. It's a very fluid moment, in my opinion. M- watching wise, I was like, "Ooh, I kind of like that weird, like the up and the, the pattern that happened there." Yeah. Um, but he saves Eddie in the last moment, and then Carnage essentially eats, or Venom essentially eats the symbiote of Carnage, just like munches him up. Yeah, and then uh, Cletus Cassidy is just like, "All I ever wanted in life was a friend." I'm like, my guy. No. It's not a good excuse for what you did. I'm Bro, you real. literally... Oh, I forgot to mention this one scene that I wanted to mention. Um, I was talking earlier about how they were trying to make Cletus seem like this bad guy. And I think it's totally in that moment where he... Uh, where he, It feels very much Jared, Lo, uh, Jared Leto Joker, mm-hmm. where he's in this weird flame, sh- like Guy Fieri-looking shirt. And he goes into this uh, convenience store, and instead of Carnage killing this dude, he just jumps over the counter and kicks him in the face and then beats the shit oh, out of him behind yeah. the counter. Like, look at how evil he is. Look at how messed up he is. He doesn't even need Carnage to be evil. Yeah. Um, which was kind of weird. Uh, Can I say something really quick? Yeah. As you're going through all these scenes and we're talking about this movie, I'm realizing I already forget so much of the movie. Which you, is Really? Which is not good at all, but like, yeah, just like little moments here and there, like that happening where he kicks the guy at the gas station, mm-hmm. and then like the little movement that he did where he went into each person during that whole fight. I forgot that, so it's just like, I don't know. I feel like when you're watching Alien Sludge duke it out for that long, your brain <laughs> just starts to kind of mesh it all together. It is. There are a lot of non-important moments in this movie. Yeah. Um, that just like. It, it it's just totally the movie trying to be like we are an hour and 20 minutes long we just need this scene to try and show something yeah oh like the plot is pretty much just a collection of things that are the, happening the it's plot really is plot. the here's the plot the plot is venom one but instead of it being this crazy uh million dollar megalomaniac it's just an insane serial killer. killer. And now he's already connected with the symbiote, so now they don't need to do that whole introduction or anything. Exactly. It's yeah. it's the same movie. It uh, Because they even try and do the slight love interest with his ex-wife, and it's maybe in five minutes of the movie. They try to make this, like, arc. And then there's that scene, too, where um, he's apologizing to Venom, but it's also 
totally an apology to her as well. Yeah. Even though it's totally unnecessary. Um, and it did, that did not work for me at all. I thought it was just thrown in there. And I was like, wow, this is weak. Honestly, the usage of Michelle Williams coming back for it didn't really work for me. Mm. Having her pop up as a brief little character is fine, but to try and continue that love story arc after the first one kind of straightforward closed it at the ending of the movie. Yeah, totally. And then we didn't get any further than where we were at the ending of the first movie with that arc. Like, she just came back. She was in scenes, and then she's still with Dan. She's not getting back together. She's with still Eddie. with Dan and is getting married to Dan. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I think that's another big flaw I have with the movie in general is it feels like nothing happened. By the time we reached the end of the movie, uh, which aside from the post credit scene, which we'll get into, um, it just feels like they just did another adventure. It's like a side quest in a video game. It's, that's 100% what it is. Yeah. Um, and that's why I, I didn't really have any huge expectations going into this movie i was just like this is just gonna be another venom movie because i knew like what more are you gonna do with this character in a solo movie Mm -hmm. like what more can you do honestly um and i totally think honestly if this entire movie was made just to set up the end credit scene well done yeah good job because the most exciting thing was the end credit scene. It's all everyone's talking about. When I'm Which, hearing people talk about this movie, no one's like, oh, man, that climax for Venom, Let There Be Carnage. What a dope fight. Everyone's just like, yo. That end credit scene. Let's though. get the, yeah, let's talk about the elephant in the room here. Um, but that being said, I think we can go to the end credit scene. Before we do that, um, I just want to talk a little bit more general. And I just want to say, uh, just about the runtime a little bit more, just quickly. Mm-hmm. I think the runtime for this movie is both a good thing and a bad thing. And I'm appreciative of the fact that the movie is like, okay, let's get started. Let's hit the ground running. We don't have time for anything. Mm-hmm. That's actually kind of refreshing to have something where the stakes aren't so high. It doesn't feel like it needs to do so much. It's just like, all right, we're going. Movie's begun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of like that. That being said, the movie is so messy and so incoherent and there's really no story at all that I can't fully invest in the fact that I love how short the movie is. I think a superhero movie these days are so long. And it's kind of nice that Venom was like, let's just chill out. We're just going to have some fun, and then we're going to go away. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that. But I think that the runtime is both a positive and a negative, which is like a weird criticism that I have towards it. It's like, I like that they did that, but also I don't know if it paid off that they did that, you know? I think it's a full positive. I have no negative thoughts about it because I think if it was any longer, it would be a worse movie. Um, I agree with that. The thing is, uh, yes, it does not have a good plot, and yes, the writing sucks, but what more are you going to do with more time in that movie? Like, that movie, this movie really has no real, like, connotations for Venom as a character. Mm -hmm. And so, and I I don't think it needs to. Like, I don't think Venom needs to have a full-blown realization that he can now be a superhero or whatever um we do see a bit of that in the movie where he uh kind of does become uh whatever the heck protector he only calls himself the lethal protector eight times throughout the movie like exactly he's they are throwing that line in every single chance they can get to be like hey he's the lethal protector remember lethal protector venom lethal protector and so uh like i totally don't think 
it needs to be a huge thing where it's like, oh, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Because he's not. No. Um, he's still killing people. And so I I think that the runtime is perfect because it does, it has like, there's nothing more you could say with that movie. Agreed. I do agree. All they would have done is expand on Carnage a little bit more. And given the way that this version of Carnage was written and the take on this character anyways, I don't think expanding on him would have made him any better. No. It's a pretty half-assed take on carnage and i don't think that giving them more time to half-ass it would have made it better you know yeah exactly yeah um another thing really quickly before we get to the end credits what did you think of andy circus as a director i don't know if i've seen him direct anything before i think this is my first time we're talking really? of course uh legendary screen actor andy circus aka Gollum. Mm-hmm. Gollum um, but- and the monkey in planet of the Games. oh yeah yeah um, I don't think I've seen any Adam. of his other movies, though. Have you seen a movie he's directed before? I feel like I probably have. He did a Jungle Book movie a few years ago called, well, like, Mowgli. King I watched that one. Oh, you did? The live-action one? Yeah. Yeah, I watched that one. Um, I-, I think he did a good job. Like, I think he did exactly what the movie needed. Br- make it a little brighter. Good job. Good yeah. job, Andy Serkis. Um, but I, yeah, I, like, I don't think he it was bad. I think... Um, the worst thing is the writing. Honestly, the re- the directing is probably the best thing in the movie because um, it's it's a very formulaic uh, superhero movie. Mm-hmm. It's just very basic, and there's nothing too crazy or flashy um, as far as directing goes. There's no crazy weird shots or anything. I think it was all done really well and simply, and it didn't need anything crazy. I agree. And so I think he did a good job, in my opinion. I think, yeah, he meets the requirements exactly to the level that he needed to for this movie. It's not like some bold, creative, directorial thing that he's doing. Yeah, like, what are you going to do? No, it's like, what creative flair are you going to add to a Venom movie, right? Except for for the weird ear rape moment of, let there be carnage. Oh, yeah, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre moment. Sorry, headphone users. I just did a little ear rape moment for you. Did it back for Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, I think he just he just does what needs to be done. Yeah, I, I it's I I can agree that all that really matters is that he lit the fighting better. Yeah, and he let loose with the tone a bit more. This movie's mm-hmm. just bonkers. It just embraces its runtime. It's campy as hell. It's stupid as hell, and it kind of knows that. I don't think it's trying to be like, look, high art Venom. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like this is not only a superhero movie, but a pretty fucking dumb superhero movie. Yeah, and it knows that, and it plays with it. So I think, yeah, I agree. I think Andy Serkis is, I can't wait to see whatever he does next acting, but I think he, it was nice to see him in the director's chair. Yeah, he's doing his job. All right. Let's. End credit scene. Spoilers. Full spoilers. They're coming. I don't want anybody yeah. to be like, oh, you ruined such a big moment for me. Exactly. Let's swing into this. So the, in the end credit scene, we see that Eddie and Venom have, uh, are on the run now. They essentially don't want to get caught by the cops, so they're on the run. And they're in, like, Tahiti or something. And as they're sitting in, um, are they they just, yeah, they're, like, sitting in their hotel room. And Venom's like, I have infinite knowledge and wisdom as a symbiote. And I can't even, I could give you, like, a, a tenth of it. And it would blow your mind. And Eddie's like, all right, give it to me. And as they're laying there and he's about to do it to him, this crazy yellow light shoots through the room and the room changes entirely. Everything changes about the room and we're all like, what the fuck, what just happened? It was like this slummy sort of room in like a motel and then it becomes this like five-star 
Oh yeah, right. They're room. they're in like yeah, it's like a very slummy like basement room, and then and then they're in like a mm-hmm. island in Tahiti or whatever, and they're like, what the fuck's going on? And then on the screen we see J. Jonah Jameson talking about how Peter Parker is Spider Man. That's right. Venom is in the MCU. Cuts to Venom looking at the TV. Tom Holland, clear as day. It's not just a reference to Spider-Man. It's clear as day, the boy Tom Holland. And then he just, what does he say? He says, I know that guy. No, he says, ooh, I like that one or something like like that. Yeah, some sort of acknowledgement of uh, of Spider-Man. And then some guy walks into the room and he's like, what are you doing in my room? And then the movie ends. Yeah. So what are the implications for this? What does this imply? What's this set up? Here we go. This implies that the oh wait a minute you know what I've realized this implies a lot of things. First off, this implies that um, Venom is in Spider-Man's universe. Okay, now he is. Like currently, he is now in Spider-Man's universe. Yeah, like while we were watching Venom in one and two, he was in his own universe, and then after this post-credit scene, some sort of multiversal shifting. They are now in the same universe. Point number two to be made. This is just a theory that I just thought of. Doctor Strange's magic didn't work. Something happened because everyone still knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Oh. Because Doctor Strange was trying to um, make it so that no one remembered Spider-Man. Yeah, but if... But now, if, if, if that didn't... If people still know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, that means something... We know that something goes wrong with Doctor Strange's spell, but it means everyone still knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Yeah. So, essentially, what what we're saying here is that... Here, at least this is what I think. Um, uh, Doctor Strange's spell doesn't make it so that nobody remembers Spider-Man. Instead, it brings the other Spider-Man into his universe. Right, kind of merges all that together. Yeah, exactly. And so... Um, that's, I guess, what, all we can tell from... And I guess now uh, we know where Venom is going. He's going to find Peter Parker. Yeah. Tom so Holland. that leads into the next question. What would a Venom and Spider-Man movie with this version of those characters even look like? Because he's far more of an anti-hero here. Venom is, whenever he's interacting with Spider-Man, usually, they've teamed up before, but usually he's a full-on villain. He is the antagonist. This, I just don't know how you're going to have those two going on screen together while still leading or still having Venom be, have the ability to lead a franchise, right? Because if you make him full on villain, then his franchise kind of comes crashing down. Here's, I already, I already thought about this. From the end credit scene of Shang-Chi, we know that Bruce Banner is no longer Hulk. Mm-hmm. Hulk essentially, from what we know, Hulk no longer exists, Right. So, essentially, what I think is going to be happening is, I don't know how the Venom-Spider-Man team-up is going to work. There's going to have to be some kind of common enemy that they're going to have to fight against. That's what I was thinking, Because the MCU needs a big hulker. Yeah. And who else is better to do that than Venom? Venom has all the traits the MCU would love in a character. He's quippy. He's funny. Exactly. He's kind of sweet, despite the fact that he's this big gruff monster sort of thing and it's the exact thing of hulk like he's not um he's not gonna like incapacitate people he's gonna fucking destroy them yeah um but the mcu needs a big monster to fight for them and so i totally think that venom is going to be a part of like not the next avengers but uh he will probably be in 
a decent amount of movies as the big hulker you know Mm -hmm. that's an interesting take on the character in one that i think i'd be fine seeing i i also agree i would like what i would like to see is some sort of confusion happens between venom and spider-man i would like to see them duke it out a little bit and then realize that they're not against each other which is kind of generic but you know what so is the first two venom movies so it's a big deal here's what i think is it's gonna be like i think it's gonna be that venom wants to fight spider-man and that's what's gonna happen but then um eddie brock will be the thing where it's like tom holland spider-man be like oh this is just a misguided dude like I can help him just like Tony helped me. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That sounds like Tom Holland Spider Man. My guy's always trying to help everyone. Help out. everyone exactly. So mm-hmm. it totally makes sense that he would feel bad for Eddie, and he'd be like, "Okay, we can work with this." Yeah. Um. And it clearly Eddie wants to, and and Venom as well, uh, seems to be keen on being a protector, a lethal protector in some sort of way. So yeah, I, like the thing for comic fans is like get the Venom you know out of your head. Mm-hmm. The Venom they've built up in both these first two movies is just not the character that we know. Yeah, exactly. And that's fine because we're still going to get that character in other mediums like the, the new Spider-Man game, Spider-Man 2. We're still yeah. going to see that villainous Venom that we're familiar with, but we, we do have a very different character that's been set up in these movies. And we got that villainous Venom too in the first Venom movie. Like yeah. he was not a good guy. He was eating people all the time. And like so we got a bit of that in the first movie. And so this is the progression of – his character becoming more than it, the normal, like, just crazy symbiote that it is. Yeah. And maybe we will even get a Spider-Man Venom, uh, you know, how, like, Spider-Man gets the black uh, Spider-Man suit, uh, which is part Venom symbiote. Maybe that's how um, the Spider-Man-Venom combo will work out, where uh, Tom Holland gets a taste of that symbiote. Yeah, th- that'd be interesting. I'm down to see whatever way they go with this. The potential is so... It's so open now. They can do anything. And I've heard a lot of people had packed theaters that really freaked out of this scene. Ours did not. I wish they did. People were getting up and leaving early. I'm like, have you you not learned yet? Have you not learned yet? It's been years. Um, But no, I I think that this sets up a very interesting possibility with where Venom could go as a character. And now we'll finally get to see those two duke it out on screen. We saw it before with spider-man 3 but but wait, now going. we'll get a better version yeah of it. i'd much rather tom hardy <gasps> what if we get dancing tom holland what if we get dancing tom holland like recreating that dance scene from the third movie yes i'd love that like, have you never learned <laughs> every third spider-man movie is it going to be a thing that it's bad exactly um yeah i think that's about everything i have to say do you have La- anything else last thing i want to say is i think I like the charm that this movie has. I, like on one hand, it is an incredibly generic superhero movie that is very me- mediocre and is made to capitalize on IP that everybody loves. But mm. on the other hand, it's like the kind of superhero schlock that you don't see these days. Marvel has set up such a particular tone, DC as well, and you don't get these weird outcast superhero movies like we used to get in the, you know, like Daredevil with Ben Affleck or Catwoman mm. with Halle Berry. These movies suck. They are so bad, but they're so bad, they're good. Yes. And I don't think Venom's necessarily so bad it's good, because it's got some good and genuinely likable aspects to it, but I think that it's this weird little thing that it fits into, where it's like this kind of stupid, 
cheesy superhero movie that knows that it's that Mm -hmm. and kind of plays into it. Those movies don't get made anymore. Yeah. So on one hand, it's not a very good movie. On the other hand, I like seeing movies like this still exist, you Mm -hmm. know? No, exactly. And it's it's the perfect character to be able to do that with, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But as far as a rating would go, I rate it a three, a solid three. I think that... Just like I keep seeing on Snapchat stories, there's always this thing that IGN has, and it says, Venom was good, not great. Yeah. And I fully agree with that. It was a good movie, not a great movie, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah, I, uh, I messaged Joe from Age Narrative Podcast uh, right after we both seen it, and I was like, well, Venom was a movie. And he's like, yeah, it's certainly a thing that exists. And mm-hmm. that's pretty much the perfect way to sum it up. It's mm-hmm. not awful, there's worse movies you can watch. It's not great. It kind of just fills this void of like a watchable superhero movie. Yeah. That's not actively until the last 30 seconds. That's not actively building anything bigger. It's just doing its thing and then it's saying, all right, peace. Hope you had fun. Exactly. And I think that's all we can ask for from it. You know, mm-hmm. I think I would give it, I would give it a two and a half. It's not fully the three for me. Two and a half isn't a good rating, but it's also right down the middle. There's uh, as much as I liked about it. Is as much as I disliked about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I thought it was fun. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's everything for our Venom episode. Um, but if you want to check out our other episodes, you can find us at the Dive In Movie Cast on all of your social, uh, all your pod stuff, Spotify, Apple, all those places. You can also find our social media, uh, which is at the Dive In Movie Cast. Yes, sir. Um, and you can also check out our individual Instagrams. I'm at Wesley Giffen. I am at Hayden Kutris, and it is the same on our letterbox so yeah thank you guys for listening to this episode and we will see you next time until next time let there be carnage oh god (laughs) 